So tonight I, I jotted down some of the halachas that are related to Shavuos. Now before we get into those, um, I'll mention a shayla that literally just happened like 45 minutes ago. Um, this is just something I've spoken about, I've spoken about in the past. It's just something to be in this area, to be careful with. So we ordered, uh, my sister ordered, uh, you know, fleshik from a certain fast food delivery place. They use Uber Eats or whatever, all these type of companies. And it came to the house without any chasimu, without any seal. Nothing. And uh, that's a major problem. That's a major halachic problem. It didn't come with a seal. It didn't come with a chasimu. It didn't come with the tape. It didn't come with this. Nothing. So, I, I already, we've had this once before. There is one room to be makele. There's a sheet that I believe of the haflor, the Panam Yafetz brought down in Daikachuva, that he brings out. What's the problem? The problem is, if you give food, Meat is even worse, but the truth is cheese is a problem, fish is a problem, wine is a problem. But let's go with meat, just because that was the case. If you bring, if you give meat to a non-Jew, it's called basash and asalam and ayin, and we're afraid that the non-Jew will swap out kosher for non-kosher. And, 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 and by the way, there is one massive heter that applies in Shulchan Aruch, and that is, what if you, okay, you have a, you, you're making a roast on Friday afternoon, you step outside, you're cleaning ladies in the house, so that means you have to throw it out. So the massive heter brought down from the Shulchan Aruch is that if you recognize, it's called tviyasayin, if you, most women, when they're cooking, they know what it looks like. So if they're able to recognize it, fine. I don't know what the sandwich looks like from a fast food place. First of all, I'm not the one who prepared it. Second of all, they all kind of look the same, a little bit different, it's so much different. A burger from this place is so much different from a burger from that place. It's no real tefillah sign. So there's one. Still, each but each item, each item, you don't know. And and Chazal were afraid that it was replaced. And you're going to say, well, I know it's, not. Well, it's up to you. Chazal are concerned that Chazal matters more than you. So that there is one hetter from the Daki Tshuva. The Daki Tshuva does bring down that if the person is being paid to deliver it, there is a concept called mirtas, which is that he's afraid to swap it out because he'll lose his job. Now. Here's the deal. Could you rely on that? I'll tell you what happened last time. So a similar type of situation happened once years ago. And what's strange about it is when you call them up, instead of them apologizing to you because now you can't eat the food, they have a taina on you. They get annoyed. So I spoke to Rabbi Marcus at the time, who's involved, one of the heads of the Vad, of Vadamvo Queens. And I mentioned this Hatur, the Hafla, and, and I think he, what he said is the most rational thing. He said, why are you relying on a terim when you're paying for a restaurant? Like, what? This is not Europe. Like, why, you, why do I have to rely on a heter? Yeah, okay, maybe it's a legitimate heter, but why should I have to rely on a heter when I'm paying good money for, for, for food and I'm paying with a heksher? Why should I rely on a heter? So it just happened. So I returned it. The problem with Uber Eats, a lot of times when people come to pick up, they don't realize that it's not the guy that's going to eat it, so they don't wrap it up properly. But they because they think if the guy, listen, if the guy's coming to take it and he's going to eat himself, what do I have to wrap it for? Because it's a guy. But they don't realize the guy is going to take it to a yid. And he can't eat it. It's halachically a major problem. And as Rabbi Marcus said, return it. He said, bring it back to them. They have to cook it again. And he said, it's a taina. He said, he said, punish them. They should know that. They should know better. It has to be wrapped up. And it's a major halachic problem. Exactly, exactly. And it's something. It's just something to be misoyer when you order, especially Uber Eats, make sure that it's wrapped and double sealed, which is the tape with a staple through it or whatever. It should be wrapped properly. This mamish had nothing. A mamish was like a bag of sandwiches like ilu they could have gotten it from from, from the delivery guy from the restaurant the delivery guy from the restaurant a lot of times is jewish well, if he's not jewish. yeah it's the same problem my point is uber eats is a bigger problem because i know they're going you know what i mean but that's uh, uh that was a side thing before i mentioned i, I want to run through some of the halachas first of all i want to reiterate what i said friday night but before that obviously one of the main menhagim uh one of the main concepts by shavuos is dairy right we eat dairy 
Um, again, there's different reasons for it. I mentioned on Friday night, the Ramah brings down the reason that you eat dairy and meat in one meal because it's a zeicher for the two carbonas that you bring on a yom tev, karm chagiga, karm shalom. Okay, fine. So I just want to mention a couple things about dairy. Um, first of all, just to, just to clarify, I mentioned this once in a shir previously. I just want to clarify again because I think it goes under the misconception shir. People misunderstand. Everyone has to be particular with Chol of Yisrael. That is not a, a shayla, that is a takana of Chazal. Chazal instituted that Cholov has to be watched by a Jew in order to make sure there's no pig milk. That's takana's Chazal. Nobody that's not makbid, and Osvardim are generally makbid, as they say, and Chabad is makbid, Chassidim are makbid. I personally am not makbid. That doesn't mean I'm not makbid in Cholov Yisrael. That they, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mummer. You can't not be makbid in Cholov Yisrael. It's against takana's Chazal. But what it means is, I just want to explain colloquially, what does it mean they're not makbid and chal Yisrael? It means they rely on the uh, heter of Rav Moshe Feinstein. That Rav Moshe Feinstein felt the whole reason for chal Yisrael, which is that it's watched by a Jew, was a practical concern. It wasn't a spiritual concern. It was a practical concern. We want to make sure there's no pig milk. Nowadays, the FDA penalizes to such an extent any form of traces of pig milk. They test. You could rely on that as a mashkiach. That was our Moshe Feinstein's hatter. Now, whether it applies nowadays, whether people should be mocking in New York, listen, that's, that's, that's not for me to decide. Everyone should do whatever they uh, speak to their Rav, and they'll do whatever they feel comfortable. I just wanted to clarify that point. In addition, by the way, just also to know, if you're Machbed on Chol Yisrael, according to the majority, overwhelming majority of opinions, you should be Machbed on the Kalim as well. So if, if someone, meaning, if someone is not Machbed on Chol Yisrael, meaning, let's say Chabad, Chabad is particularly, they don't hold up the heads over Moshe Feinstein, they don't eat Chol of Stam. They don't eat uh, non-Chol of Yisrael products. They also generally, I asked someone recently a Tamachacham in Chabad, he told me this is the Minig. I saw the Shach brings it down. They're particular about the Kalim, meaning they would not use the Kalim of someone who's not Machmed. So if let's say someone cooked a, uh, I don't know, uh, they, they, they cooked a cheesecake that, that was Chol of Yisrael, but in the pot that they had just used for non-Chol of Yisrael, they would be particular about that. That, that to my knowledge, there are poiskim, some poiskim that are leading, but I think the overwhelming majority are, are, are machmer. Um, there is also one thing, just good to know. If anyone's ever, again, I don't want to say it's still like this, but I remember if you bought Pringles sour cream and onion from Eretz Yisrael, not, not from New York, but from Eretz Yisrael, you'll look at the, hech, the, the hechsher, and it says, kosher lo'oichle avkas cholov bilvad. What does that mean? Avkas cholov is powdered milk. The Shaila is, there was a Shaila in the 40s, uh, 40s, in Eretz Yisrael, a big machloik is between two heavyweights as to if you're makbid on not eating cholov stam, let's say you don't hold a Ramosha, what if it's powdered milk? Meaning, when Chazal created that gezerah of not to eat cholov stam, did they extend it to other forms of milk or only in the classic form of milk? It has to do in general when Chazal made their takanas. Like, we're particular with how it was at the time. I'll give you a, a, just a, 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 a simple example. Right, we don't drink wine. I just thought of this just now. We don't drink wine that's touched by a guy. Why? The main reason is we're afraid of intermarriage. Secondary, uh, uh, idolatry. They used to pour wine for idolatry. That's, that's the reason. Okay. Everyone agrees, though, it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch from the Gemara, that if a non-Jew touches wine that's mevushal, it's fine. Why? It's very simple. Mevushal wine was not common in the times of the Gemara. So it was not the type of wine they would serve to guests. It was not the type of wine they would serve to idolatry. They only cooked with it. It was not a common wine. It was a very cheap. It's not like nowadays where Chol of uh, Mavushal, Yain Mavushal is very common. It wasn't common back then. So it wasn't included in the Gezerah. 
once it's not included in Xer, we're not going to add to it. We, we go with as it was in the times of Chazal. That, that's how it is. So the question is, when Chazal ossered milk, what did they ossered in all forms or only in the classic form, which is hydrated, not dehydrated? Rav Tzipe Frank felt that uh, 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 powdered milk is fine. Chazanish disagreed. So in, in that, that, I just remember, it always stood out to me, I don't, again, I don't know if it still is, but if you were to pick up a sour cream and onion Pringles from Eretz Yisrael, it would say, kosher, if you eat powdered milk, meaning it's powdered milk, not Chal Yisrael. So according to the Chazanish, it's a problem. According to Tzipesa Frank, it would be fine. Yeah? That is a good point. I want to mention that Rav Moshe's heter of non Chal Yisrael being okay it applies to America or any first world country. Like, there are certain countries that, uh, like, uh, in Russia, I can't imagine, uh, you know, they're going to rely on that. Certain South American countries, they actually, the Star K has a list of which countries you can rely on. They have a whole list of which countries the FDA is, is uh, legit enough that you could rely on. India? I have no idea. Oh, the cow segment, I have no idea. I still, I, I, I don't know. I have to check up the, uh, the Star K's uh, list. They have a list. I, I don't know. To... Just to on to the next one. I mentioned this Friday night, but I just want to uh, reiterate it just because it wasn't recorded. It's good to have. And that is the Ramos says that the minig was to have dairy and then to go instantly into meat and have it in one meal. So obviously the question is, so what do you need to do to go from dairy to meat in order to eat it? So from meat to dairy, we all know that you have to wait six hours, or three hours, or one hour, however you hold. You also have to make a bracha achrona, right? Those are the, that's what's required to go from meat to dairy. Now the question is, what about from dairy to meat? So the Shulchan Aruch, it's very clear, there's no time restraint, there's no time requirement from dairy to meat, although I did mention Friday night there is a minig, some chassidim have to wait a half hour, it's based on the zoyar, but api halacha, there's no requirement to wait, all you have to do is called, uh, is called um, uh, uh, you, have to, you have to eat something and you have to rinse your mouth out, that's it, you have to eat something and, and rinse your mouth out, huh? Unless, yeah, we'll get to hard cheese in a second, all you have to do is in, eat something and rinse your mouth out, that's all that's required. The Mishabura brings down a machloikis, and the Mishabura paskins, he doesn't bring down a machloikis, he just paskins, you don't even have to make a bracha achrona. So if you have uh, a slice of pizza, all you have to do then to have a burger is r- rinse your mouth out, have a cracker, and you can go instantly into a burger and not even make a bracha achrona. That's exactly what the Shulchan Aruch is talking about. You're having two things in one meal, the only way to do it, and it doesn't require you to bench. Now, this is only true for regular dairy. The Shulchan Aruch brings down an opinion, the Ramah brings down an opinion, that aged cheese, hard cheese, hard cheese, you have to wait six hours. Now, what is the definition of hard cheese? It's anything that's aged for six months or more. It's on, according to FDA, it has to be on the product of how long it's aged. So Parmesan cheese is aged, Swiss cheese from Switzerland is aged, and there's a whole list. I can get you a whole list. There's a whole list of different types of cheese you have to wait. Now, the same way by meat, there's two reasons why you have to wait for six hours or three hours, whatever. It's because meat in between your teeth or meat that coats the throat. Those are the two reasons brought down in the Rishonim, the Ramam and Rashi. The same thing would apply to dairy. There's a heter though of the Yad Yehuda. The Yad Yehuda held that if you have aged cheese that's melted into a dish, it's fine. Now the reason being is because the Yad Yehuda was really concerned, his opinion was that the main concern was cheese in between your teeth. It's not going to get in between your teeth when it's melted in. Now, Rav Yashid happens to be, didn't like the Yad Yehuda because Rav Yashid said if the reason, the Yad Yehuda was a Paisik, a big Paisik, I mean it's the 18, late 18s on, uh, on Taruvis, 
Yad Yehuda. It's, uh, happens to be the Ben Ishchai also in Rav Polin brings a similar opinion. He brings down the Yad Yehuda. So he says that you don't have to wait if it's, if it's melted in. Now, the Revel Yashiv happened to be, he felt that you should because he said that that's only assuming that the concern is cheese in between your teeth. But if the concern is that, that it coats your throat, melted cheese is just as oily, if not more, than hard cheese. But the point is, so you definitely could rely on the Yad Yehuda. That's the meaning to rely on the Yad Yehuda. So, so I'll tell you like this. If you have Parmesan cheese that's in a salad, you're going to have to wait six hours. It's not melted in. It's going to get in between your teeth. But if it's melted into like a big ziti, you have what to rely on. So when it says to not wait, that, that's obviously assuming it's not aged cheese. If it's aged cheese, you'd have to wait six hours. Moving right along. I have over here a list. I'll probably have it printed out over Yom Tif. Just to mention, it's, it's not that complicated. When you stay up all night, right, the minig obviously in Klal Yisrael is to stay up all night, Shavuos night, if you can. The Arizal said very, very lofty things for those that stay up all night in anticipation of uh, Shavuos night, if you can. Listen, if you can. Well, I don't know, there's, there's, if I happens to be by this Shacharis, you'll see there's about 30 women that stay up. Listen, whatever. The only uh, year I couldn't. I mean, Chabad doesn't stay up all night. They stay up until, uh, I think, Nate's. Uh, alois, and then they go to sleep, and then they daven. Okay, listen. Point is, if someone stays up all night, doesn't have to shoot his night. Stop me, stay up all night on a plane, whatever. It affects certain halachas in the morning. Um, let me just run down the differences regarding staying up all night. It's very simple. There are one, two, three, four, five, six differences. R- number one, moda'ani, you do not say. You don't say moda'ani if you didn't sleep. Okay. Number two is on the tils yadayim. There's a big shayla in the post game whether you say on the tils yadayim. Um, the Mishburah writes, this is the Mishburah's Eitzah. What you should do, because on the Tils it could be, it's only if you slept and your hands were dirty. So the Mishburah says, this is what you do. After it's uh, already uh, alos, go to the bathroom, make sure your hands are dirty, touch parts of the body that are dirty, and then you could say on the Tils like any other morning. Svardim, though, uh, they do it without a bracha, even if they stay, even if they went to the bathroom, because I'll pick Kabbalah, they're, they're makbe, that's the Yalkut Yosef. So on the Tils you go to the bathroom, uh, make your hands dirty, and then you can say al the dime like anything else. Now, regarding Berchas HaShachar, all the brachas and Berchas HaShachar, they're all the same except for two. There's two brachas that are debatable, and that's Elikai Neshama and Hamavr because obviously those, uh, they, if they're subjective to you, they don't apply. If they, you're just thinking, Hashem, that, they're, that the Shena is removed from people, then you would be able to. So the question is, is it a subjective bracha or an objective bracha? So the basic psak is like this. The, Mish- the Aruch HaShulchan and the Minig of Chabad and Svardim is to recite the bracha. They say it straight, they say Chabad, Svaradim, and the Archa Shulchan say it straight. There's no difference. According to them, Birchas HaShachar is identical. The Mishaburah doesn't really indicate what he holds, but there are definitely Paiskim who say not to. So what the advice for most people here, except for myself and you and you, and I don't know anyone else, so Davin's uh, Svaradim or Chabad, is the advice is like this. Have someone who slept be Moitzi the Tzibar. That's what we generally try to do. If there's someone who slept, we'll get them to stand up and have a, people in mind. If not, so have someone who's Chabad or Svardim then, then be Moitzi the Tzibar. Just those two. Those two. The rest, everyone can say. It's and Listen, once they're getting up there, if they want to be Moitzi with all them, they can be Moitzi with all of them. But it's Elikai Nesham and Mavishena, those are the main two. Now, the other two things that are related is. Talus Godel, by the way, you make a bracha on a talus, but at Sitzis that you wore all night, you don't. It's a suffix whether you make a bracha. So what the minig is, for anyone who doesn't wear a talus, you get someone who wears a talus to be moitzi, those that are not wearing a talus. Easy solution. The last shaila is birchas atayra. Birchas atayra is tricky. Birchas atayra is a shaila, if you stay up all night, should you recite birchas atayra in the morning? Is it required because each morning, or is it required because you slept? So it's a shaila, so it's unclear. 
So it is a suffix brachas lahakal, but it's also brachas hatayrus deraisa. So, uh, so the mishabura says this is his eitz. The mishabura says, obviously, if listen, if someone slept, have them be mitzvah. Great. Let's say there's no one who slept. So he says, don't say brachas hatorah. When you get to ahava olam or ahava rabba, have in mind right before Shema, have in mind that that should serve as brachas hatorah. Have in mind to thank Hashem for giving you the ability to learn. When it says lilma delami lishma velasas, and have that in mind. And then right after Shmona Esrei, say, all, all the things that we customarily said. There is, though, a massive uh, shita of, a major shita of Rav Kiveger. It's called the Mimona Shach of Rav Kiveger. The Rav Kiveger said, um, by the way, Svardim say, even if they stayed up all night, so you get a Svardim to say it. But for Ashkenazim, you don't. And you have Ahavas Olam, you have that in mind. Or you have Rav Kiveger. Rav Kiveger said, if someone slept on Erev Shavuos, they for sure can say it. Why? Because it's a shail of what triggers the requirement to say Birchas HaTorah. Is it sleep or is it night? Because you're not sure, when you stayed up all night, so you have night, but you didn't have sleep, you're not going to say it. But if I slept during the day and I stayed up all night, you put it together, I definitely have to say it. That's Rav Kivager's opinion. And it's brought down by the Mishaburah. So if anybody slept, so this week, it was a Thursday night, we're staying up all night. If anyone will sleep Thursday afternoon then they definitely can say it on Friday morning, they could say according to everybody. That's the Kivager's opinion. The definition of sleep is 30 minutes, but ideally 30 minutes in bed, as opposed to just nodding off on the couch. But Shita Nishman, there's three opinions brought down in the Be'alacha as to what's considered sleep. Three minutes, 30 minutes, three hours. The Mishavura says, the Be'alacha says, you can go with the middle Shita, which is 30 minutes. But it's 30 minutes, ideally for someone who actually slept, like a, shina, like a real sleep, as opposed to dozing up. But if you went to bed, you lie down in bed for 30 minutes, that would, uh, that would warrant uh, saying Berchus uh, to be honest, that would probably warrant if you did that Thursday night, then you could say all the brachas. That would be considered actual sleep. Is there anything special? I want to mention. Um, okay, one quick thing. Uh, when it comes to how women should be making the bracha on lighting candles for Yom Tif. so... This is a, we've talked about this in the past, but there's a major machlokis between Sfardim and Ashkenazim. Every Shabbos, how you make a bracha. Ideally, whenever you do anything, you make the bracha and then do the mice. It's called over lasiyasin, right? You make shahakal and then you eat. So ideally, you should make the bracha and light the candles. And that's what Sfardim do. Ashkenazim do not do that every Friday night. Every Friday. Why is that? Because if you make the bracha, right? Sfardim make the bracha and then they light. That's what they do. That's over lasiyasin. That's what you should do. Why do Ashkenazim not do that? Because Ashkenazim hold that their shittas, I think it's a bahag, the shittas of Samri Shainim is that when you make the bracha, you're Makabal Shabbos. So if you make the bracha, you can't light anymore because it's already Shabbos, while the candles are still in your hand. So what do we do? You light, then you make the bracha afterwards. Aye, it's too late, it's the bracha afterwards. So you don't benefit from the candles. So you light, you don't look at the candles, not like you bring it to your eyes opposite, you look away, and then you make the bracha, and then you look at us, the brachas before the benefit of the candles. That's what Ashkenazim did. The question is, for Yom Tif, how should you do it? So the Mogan Avram, for Ashkenazim, Svardim are obviously still going to do bracha and then, at, then light. So the Mogan Avram said, Ashkenazim should do the same. Yom Tif should be the same as, as Shabbos. Light, then make the bracha. That's the Mogan Avram. But that's not the Psak of Klal Yisrael. The minute of Klal Yisrael is not to follow the Mogan Avram. And they say that by Yom Tif, you should make the bracha and then light. Why? What's the whole problem? Your Mechabal Shabbos Yom tif, you could light candles on Yom tif. So what's the worst case scenario? When you make the bracha, it's Yom tif, you're allowed to light a candle on Yom tif. You just can't strike a match on Yom tif. So therefore, on Yom tif, Ashken, even Ashkenazim should light like the Svardim, which is to make the bracha and then, and then uh, light the candles. That's the, that's the psak for Yom tif. 
Um, that is going to be Thursday night. Friday night, which is Shabbos, it would have to be like regular Shabbos. There would be no difference. That's Thursday night. Um, one more halacha, a couple more halachas. Uh, one more halacha that I think is very important. This is, this is always a little dangerous because... Okay. The halacha is like this. On Yom Tif, you're not allowed to make a new fire, but you're allowed to enlarge the fire if necessary. Okay. But lowering the fire and turning off the fire is worse. Brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, if you just learn Shulchan Aruch, Magan Avram, Mishnah Berurah, you are not allowed to turn off the fire on Yom Tif or lower the fire. Why? Kiboy is considered, it's Machshir Eichel Nefesh, it's worse. What happens if your food is going to burn? So if your food is going to burn, it's a Machloikes, Hapoiskim, what to do? The Mogan of Ram feels that if your food is going to burn, don't lower the fire. Get a new fire that's the right, that's the right, so let's say it's on high, and if you leave it, it's going to burn. So the Mogan of Ram says, actually, don't lower it. If you need medium, get another fire going for medium. That's the Mogan of Ram. Ramosha finds he disagrees. Ramosha finds he says, no, you could lower it if it's going to burn the food. So if the food is on, you could lower it. But what a lot of people do is the food is off the fire, they're done cooking, and then they just. They just lower all the flames. From the Shulchan Aruch and from the Magad of Rum, that's a problem. There's no heter to do that. That's a, that's, a, that's a problem. The food's not burning. The food's, there's no even food on the fire. It's, it's just, uh, and if you're going to say, well, I'll leave the food on the fire, I'll see you playing games. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a shtickle problem. So I've mentioned this in the past. This is, again, this is Rabbi Olbem has a tshuva where he goes through these shitas. He says it also. It's not just a, it's not like a, you know, a kanoya sheet of myself. It's, it's pretty clear cut from the postgame. So I said this years and years and years ago, and they said, Rav Moshe orally told his students you could lower it. So at first I said, I don't know. If I, it's not, it's in his chuvis, he says you're only allowed to do it if the fire is going to burn. So where does it come from? So I called, I, I'm very cl- I was very close when I was in yeshiva to Rav Moshe's great-grandson, Rav David Feinstein's grandson, Yitzchak Veshelis, from the Lower East Side, a big Tamachachim. And I asked him to look into it, so he told me it's brought down from Rabbi Blumenkrantz. Rabbi Blumenkrantz from the laws of Pesach. In Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book, he says that he spoke to Rabbi Moshe. I don't know if he was a Talmud Rabbi in general, but he spoke to Rabbi Moshe. And Rabbi Moshe felt that it's permitted to lower the flame because it's not considered extinguishing. You're just, the way it works is you're just like, you're not adding fuel. Some sort of shtickle taira. Um, so I, I'm a little bit uh, uh, stuck. There is maybe a source for it. It's in Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book. I heard Rabbi also, Rabbi Frankel from, I think, Cedarhurst, also is a Tom Rabbi Moshe. He also said that he heard it. So, I, I, I'll tell you like this. Because I heard that you could do it because it's, you, you turn this and there's a delay before it turns it's off It's not the a delay. I think you're that it's that you're cutting off the, you're cutting off the, you're cutting off the fuel, you're not putting out the fire. Exactly. This is what they say from Rabbi Moshe. Again, my issue with it is, it's not how Rabbi Moshe wrote in his truvis. Clear in his truvis that he sent out to Klal Yisrael. That's not what he says. It's not what Rabbi Olbaum, Rabbi Vadi, and all the major poskim. That that's not what they say. Now, is it something you could rely on? I personally wouldn't, just because. Uh, whatever. I'm not questioning Rabbi Lumen. It's Chas Shalom. I, I just I'm going with what Ramosha wrote in his lifetime. Again, there he he says that that he might have changed his mind, and that that's okay. Potentially, I, I'm not sure. If you speak to a Talmud of Moshe and he feels comfortable, listen. That's that's not for me. I could tell you. I'll tell you like this. I, I think personally, I, I'm Machmer. 
I don't have the fire being lowered. Now, if there's a guy in the house and you could hint to the guy, okay, fine. Then, then they're fine. That's not terrible the same way you could do that on Shabbos conceptually if they're able to hint it to them, and especially when it's very hot. Listen, if there's someone in the house and they're afraid, there's, there's, there's two women in the neighborhood, I'm not going to say who they are, the sisters, they always call me, um, they always call me uh, before Yom Tif to get Haterim to have a Goyim turn off a fire because they're very, very nervous about sleeping in the house of fires. It's like a, they, they can't sleep. Okay. So for such a person, if you can't sleep, and you can't get a guy, and you do it, would I think you're a Mechal Yom Tov? Of course not. But I personally, for me, I, I, I personally am Machmer not to, not to lower the flame because I go with what Moshe wrote in the Sefer. I'm not questioning Chas Shalom, but that's, my Messiah is what he wrote. I, I'm not a Talmud of his. I, 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 was not, I didn't receive that tradition from him. And what I looked into it, I, it was just a little bit hazy for me. So I go with what the Paiskim say, which is I don't lower the fire unless the food is going to burn. That's, that's I can tell you. So I, I, let me just make this clear. Although you're allowed to raise the intensity of a flame, an electric oven, right? Let's say the, they have the coils, right? The, I don't know what they call the, the, the electric stovetops. That, that's a problem even to raise because that's not fire. That's, that's, that's electric. Um, you're, making, you're adding different circuits and creating more circuits. And that could be a problem of bona. I, I, that, that's not necessarily motor. So you have to make sure, like, thermostat and how. It, if it's just fire, it's allowed as long as it's a tzorich. Once you start getting with other things, intensity of you know metal and all the that that, that that's already uh, you got to look into it. Well, yeah, if, if it's just fire, listen. If the fire is on and you're just raising it, that's fine. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying, if that's that's a fire, that's a, that's a fire. I'm saying that, that that's what what is that? That's I'm saying, I'm saying that that's the ish, no, that's ish, right? Yes. Oh, so as I said, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's electric, but you have to find out. I don't think it's electric. I think it's just Aish, personally. But uh, I'll just mention one more Shiloh. Oh, oh, it's getting late. One more Shiloh, and then we'll stop. Um, this I mentioned a lot. This comes up a couple times a year. It doesn't just come up much Shavuos. The truth is it comes up Kriya Satoira um, twice a year, and that is standing up for Aseris Adibris. I, I mentioned this, that uh, when I was, uh, there was one, it was Parshish Yisra Mastama. I was away. I was in, uh, I think, Eretz Yisrael, like, like six years ago, and, and someone got up and decided they make a, they made a clap. Everybody stand up. So I said, that's ridiculous. I'll tell you why. And not to, it's ridiculous to stand up. I don't like telling people what to do when everything's a machlekes. Basically, it's like this. The Gemara in Brachis tells us that originally Chazal wanted that part of davening to start making Aseris HaDibris as part of davening. You should say every day, Chazal, the Gemara says, they, instant, they, they dropped it. Why? Because the Minim, the Apikarsim said, oh, you see, all of Torah is not so important. Just the Ten Commandments matter more than the other 613. But that's not true. The Ten Commandments are not more important than any other. All the rice are equally important. So Chazal said not to do it. So the question was, they asked the Rambam in a tshuva. Now, this tshuva was not well known until the last 150 years. It was not the most well known. They only found it recently. The Rambam in a tshuva was asked, is it okay to, to should you stand up by Kriya when you get up to Aseris Adibris? And the Ramam said no, because he says the same concern that people will think that the Aseris Adibris are more important, that would apply to Laning also. Why you should stand up? So you sit down for Parshas Vayikra and Parshas Lechacha, but you stand up for Aseris Adibris? Why? It doesn't make sense. So therefore the Ramam was against it. Now, the Mari Avuav, Shlom Avuav, and other Rishonim, they said no. They said it's fine. You should stand up. Why? You're not showing that it's more important. You just want to makabal the Torah the way the Jews makabal the Torah. You stand up to makabal the Torah. They felt that you could. The Chidah felt that you could. Ravavad yourself has very strongly, you should not stand up, because he said the Ramam said not to. And and he said, had they seen the Rambam, they would also have agreed. So Ravadi says not to. Other persons say yes, other persons say no. So I'll tell you like this. 
Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlita, who should have a Rav Shalim Bekarov, he says that what you should do is, like, listen, he says, if you want to stand up, that's great. If you want to be Machber, that's also fine. But here's an Eitzah. Stand up from the beginning of the Aliyah. Therefore, nobody's going to think that you're giving precedent to the Aserah Zedibus. He's standing up for the entire Aliyah. That's Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlita. But I'll tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell people what to do because I'm going to start making a clap that everyone should stand up when the Ramam was against it. Or I'm going to tell people to sit down when Rav Shmuel Avuav says you should. What's the answer? If you really have Seichel, you, you sit back. And you sort of let Klal Yisrael figure it out because it's a machlekes and Yeshlami Lismach either way. I will stop it.